Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, some time ago, I watched a Scooby-Doo movie for the first time since I was a kid. Now, you always get new insights when you do that and pick up on more subtle jokes. Well, the one I picked up on this time was when Scooby and the gang walk up to ring the doorbell at a villain's house, and in so doing, fall right through a trap door into a cage designed to trap all those who would dare come to the door. Well, they weren't the only ones to ring the doorbell. In a cage next to them is a little girl selling Girl Scout cookies, and in a cage next to her is a pair of gentlemen wearing white button-up dress shirts, each carrying a book. And I'm guessing you might be able to guess the words they say. Excuse me, have you heard the good news? And Scooby says, yeah, there's cookies. And it's a scene like this that gives us a chance to step back and become more aware of ourselves. You see, the stereotypical door knocker in our culture, right alongside someone trying to sell you something, is a missionary. It's us, or at least who we are to be, although maybe not portrayed in the best way we could be. These guys in the movie scene aren't taken seriously. The only good news Scooby cares about is food. But that's what makes every word of our sermon text all the more urgent. This is what matters most. There's a world full of people out there who need to know what we know. So the question is, how can we make this the beautiful thing it should be? How do we come across, not as pests, but as the words of our sermon text say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Well, instead of giving us an immediate answer to our question, God gives us a series of questions himself first. First question. Everyone who believes in the Lord will not be put to shame. So then, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? You see, everyone is born into this world much like the characters in that movie scene are. Trapped. The cage that all are born into is that by nature, We cannot believe in our Lord Jesus Christ, nor come to him. Many continue to live in that way. Think of the people that you know. Maybe the co-worker who lets money alone dominate all their decision-making. The student struggling for acceptance from peers at all costs. The neighbor separated from family who can't conceive of a place to belong. Or the busy friend, struggling to manage all their schedules, and church can't quite make the list. How can they call on the one they have not believed in 
And then how can they be saved? You see, that's the whole world's problem. But at least that's not our problem anymore, right? I mean, we believe. We get it. We get what Paul says in these verses so well. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart a person believes and is saved. But that's only half of what God says here. If you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. For it's with the heart a person believes and is saved, and it is with the mouth that a person confesses, resulting in salvation. They're given equal footing. You can't have one without the other. A living faith speaks. And it doesn't just speak within the confines of this building. God's second question says, how can they believe, that is, those outside the church, in the one about whom they have not heard? You see, the world's problem is our problem. That is, it is our business. It is our job to make the gospel heard. But our sin makes us just as trapped and cut off as the world. In the cage of our own fear, our own doubt, our own apathy to these urgent words. A faith that does not speak? Well, that's the furthest thing from beautiful. And if left to ourselves, we would let God down every time. But what does God say? The Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. He says, don't fear. Don't doubt. The purpose behind these words is not to question your certainty or to guilt you into preaching the gospel. No, it preaches the good news to you first. The unchangeable fact that the Word came down for you. You don't have to work your way up to Him to get His approval. You don't have to beat yourself down to get His sympathy. You don't have to do anything because He's done it all for you. That's the first step in making gospel work a beautiful thing. It's realizing it's not our work to make it beautiful. It is beautiful because it is the good news of Him who died and rose for you. It is peace with God now and forever. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. As Scripture says, Everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that everyone includes you. And that everyone 
includes more than you. The coworker in need of security, or the student in need of acceptance, the neighbor in need of a family, or the busy friend in need of rest, God's word is for them too. For there is no difference. The same Lord is Lord of all, who gives generously to all who call on him. And that brings us to our next question. And to set it up, let's go back to that movie scene for just a second. So after a little while, Daphne manages to break open the cage lock, using nothing but items in her makeup kit of all things. Everyone goes free. Scooby gets his cookies. And the two missionaries disappear from the story. Now they've served their comical purpose, and the movie has no more use for them. But God has much more use for us. Third question. How can they hear without a preacher? Well, the world looks at the preaching of the gospel and sees nothing particularly beautiful about it. But you know better. You know the incredible importance of the gospel for life here and forever. You know the incredible honor God has given in entrusting this saving message to weak and sinful human beings, to you and me no less. You know that a living faith speaks. And I hope you know, too, that this speaking doesn't have to be in words only. Now, there's a common quote you may have heard that goes something like this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Likewise, an old church theologian named Francis of Assisi once said, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. And even our sermon text doesn't say, How beautiful the mouths, but how beautiful the feet. You see, the preaching of the gospel isn't just what we say. It's what we get to do. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet which press down on gas pedals to go visit the lonely and forgotten. How beautiful are the feet which step one after the other down sidewalks and up driveways to bring the eternal gospel to all people. How beautiful are your feet which walk into this building to sit and receive so that they might go out from this building and move to the beat of Christ's love wherever their callings in life are. And that brings us to one final calling to consider. One final question God asks. And how can they preach unless they are sent? Now, it's true, we are all sent to preach the gospel in our various settings in life. But these words would have us consider those who are sent to preach the gospel full-time. 
pastors, teachers, staff ministers, all those specifically sent and called by God to serve him with their lives. That's just as Jesus said in one of the Gospels, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And at a time in our synod's history, when we as a church body hope to start a hundred new home mission churches in the next ten years, well, I can't think of a better time to pray for more workers and to encourage more workers. Oftentimes, we're encouraged if you see a young person with gifts for the ministry, to let them know. I wonder if sometimes we might not know what to look for. What are gifts for the ministry? Two things I can think of. Love for God and love for his people. Beyond that, the gospel ministry takes as many different forms as there are people in service. And there are those who may answer the call because of your encouragement to them. And there are also those who may choose to serve God with their lives in other ways. Both are good. The important thing throughout is that we keep encouraging. We keep praying. We keep asking the Lord of the harvest, send more workers. While the multitudes are dying, let your word come to us and through us to many others until the day is done. So finally, brothers and sisters, I must confess I do feel a bit like those no-name missionaries in the movie scene. You see, I'm not an illustrious guest speaker. I don't have years of ministry experience or concrete mission strategies under my belt. I'm just a young, new pastor, fresh out of school. But what I can share with you is what I've become convinced of myself. I want the goal of everything I do in life to be these words from a favorite hymn of mine. The gospel message to proclaim that all may know His saving name. And until then, we rest on His promises that He is with us always to the very ends of the earth and the very end of the age. That He is ruling all things for the good of His church. And that He will come again one day to bring all His own with Him to life forever. And I can't think of anything more beautiful than that. Amen.